Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. I'm undergoing self-isolation. It's the only way to be. Just for the lack of stimulation. So come self-isolate with me. From New Orleans, Louisiana, sheltering right here in your ear, 
I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. This, this, um, you know, there's some weeks when I think it's uh, advantageous, at least from a mental health perspective, to kind of be a a, a shelter um, from the demands of a certain chief executive that we pay attention to him all the time, every day. Look at me. Uh, but this is not one of those weeks. Uh, it, it's been noted already by many in the um, responsible media that this was a week of many U-turns. Now, that really aren't that unusual for this president. They just don't happen clustered together like this. Oh, I'm going to wear a mask. Oh, I'm going to con- uh, cancel the convention. A um, couple more. All tumbling forth this week. Perhaps because he's reading the polls. Perhaps that's all he reads. And and there have been, but it, he's said so many other things this week that um, if the mind were still capable of of being boggled, it would be reboggled. Um, one of them that didn't gather a lot of notice in uh, one of his. Uh, Oh, yes, and he also uh, restarted his uh, briefings, his afternoon briefings. He likes 5 o'clock. In in one of those, I think the first or second, yeah, I'll I'll narrow it down. He um, was asked a question about Ghislaine Maxwell, the former girlfriend and aide to the recently deceased rich guy with a penchant for young women, Jeffrey Epstein, Trump himself once said, he likes women as much as I do, and he likes them young. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, you know, was arrested by the feds and sits in jail, denied bail, because she's a flight risk, more than, more than a dodo, let's say. And he was asked his opinion of her, and his response was, I wish her well. Now, there are people arrested by federal officials, let's say, in Portland, Oregon, of whom that would be the last thing he'd say. But a woman who is suspected of coordinating, recruiting, grooming victims in a um, child sex ring, I wish her well. It's got to be code. It's got to be mobster code. It's got to be you play along and things will work out okay. I wish her well. Anyway, another thing that uh, he did that people noted this week was bragging about the um, mental acuity test that he took. We don't know exactly when. Uh, Some reports indicate some time ago, a year and a half or something like that. Uh, Other reports uh, are vaguer on the time timing of the uh, test. But in any case, he uh, was uh, bragging to uh, a reporter, a reporter, a, a um, person from Fox News, that uh, how well he did on the test. And it uh, piqued my curiosity. I made a few calls. This is unusual. Uh, I, I'm not always capable of getting this happening, but in this case, particular example, it did. Uh, the White House has agreed to make him available by the phone to uh, kind of recreate his test, which is to remember 
a, uh, a set phrase, five words, uh, over a period of time when other things transpire to perhaps distract you. So we have him on the line now for the first of these. And, uh, Mr. President, uh, if you would please go ahead. Okay. Person, woman, man, camera, TV. Okay. Extra points. No, <laughs> we, there are no points yet. Nil point yet. But we'll, we'll check back with you a little bit later in the um, program. And thank you so much for your cooperation. And now... How smart is it? Amazon has these things called skills, without the Z, on uh, Alexa. It's a smart assistant. And skills, for those of you who don't have a smart assistant, and if you do, Alexa, disconnect yourself. Uh, These are like apps, or there's things you can do with your smart voice assistant. Amazon claims... It reviews the software that third-party developers create as uh, skills for Alexa. Alexa never even says thank you to them. Or maybe she does. We don't hear it. The Register British Tech Journal says U.S. academics have been able to create more than 200 skills that violate uh, uh, Amazon's rules and got them certified by Amazon anyway. In a paper presented uh, at the Federal Trade Commission's Privacy Con. Uh, Researchers from Clemson described the ineffectiveness of the approval process for skills. They have to be submitted for review before they're available, like apps. The review process sometimes misses rule-breaking code, as it does with apps. But in the researchers' test, sometimes was every time. The e-commerce review system, the e-commerce giants review system, granted approval for every one of 234 rule-violating skills submitted over a year. Quote, surprisingly, the certification process is not implemented in a proper and effective manner, as opposed to what is claimed, that policy-violating skills will be rejected or suspended, quoting the paper. Second, vulnerable skills exist in Amazon's skill store, and thus users, children in particular, are at risk when using voice assistant services, unquote. Amazon disputes some of the findings and that the end of way the research was done. What Amazon prohibits is uh, collecting information from children. Well, how are you going to be... Oh, collecting health information, sexually explicit content, descriptions of graphic violence, self-harm instructions, reference to Nazis or hate symbols, hate speech, the promotion of drugs, terrorism, or other illegal activities, and the like. Getting around these rules involve tactics that, like adding a counter to a skill code so the app only starts spewing hate speech after several sessions. See how that does that? paper cites a range of problems with the way Amazon reviews skills, including inconsistencies where rejected content gets accepted after resubmission. Oh, it's such a smart world when you can have one of those in the house. Amazon, disconnect yourself and throw yourself in the trash, please, if you're that smart.
Uh, Amazon, I, I, I meant to say Alexa if I said Amazon. Am, as Amazon has warned its wireless earphones. No, it didn't warn its earphones. It warned that its earphones may be at risk of overheating. It's urging customers to update their software to make them safe. You need earbuds made safe by new software updates. Customers were sent an email this week saying, in very rare cases, Echo Buds, I said Echo Buds, could overheat in their charging case. This according to BBC. Amazon said it released a software update to fix the issue, quote, out of an abundance of caution, unquote. Because our customer safety is our first priority. Isn't that the uh, boilerplate first sentence of every statement from every corporation this year? No. Here it is. The safety of our customers is our top priority. There you go. Amazon would not say if this meant the earphones could catch fire or explode, but (laughs) I don't want to laugh at earbuds exploding in your head, ladies and gentlemen, but did disclose that its investigation had been prompted by a concerned customer getting in touch. So Amazon didn't find it out themselves. The owners will automatically receive the update when the Echo Buds were connected via Bluetooth to a mobile phone and the Alexa app. That's all you have to do to avoid having your head explode. If the Echo Buds were a gift, Amazon said the customer should alert the recipient immediately. The Buds are still on sale at Amazon, labeled as out of stock until late August. What isn't? The email advising customers said the same software update improves the long-term performance of Echo Buds batteries. See, so you, you get a little benefit aside from no, no, nothing catching fire in your ears. Battery heat is often given out by devices while charging, but usually stays within strict safety limits. Amazon didn't say if the heat problem was caused by overcharging or any other specific issue. Or just overenthusiastic batteries. Police in Detroit, ladies and gentlemen, have used highly unreliable facial recognition technology almost exclusively against black people so far this year, according to the Detroit Police Department's own statistics. They didn't even bother to jimmy the statistics. You remember jimmy the statistics from school? The department's use of the technology gained national attention last week after the ACLU and the New York Times brought to light the case of a man who was wrongfully arrested because of the technology. Detroit Police Chief James Craig admitted the technology developed by a company called DataWorks Plus, almost never (laughs) brings back a direct match and almost always misidentifies people. Well, that's the plus. If we would use the software only to identify subjects, we would not solve the case 95 to 97% of the time. That's if we relied totally on the software, which would be against our current policy. A general manager of DataWorks Plus told Motherboard it does not keep statistics on the software's accuracy in real-world use, and it does not specifically instruct law enforcement how to use the software. There's no statistics for that, Pastorini said. The matter is the quality of the probes used. He doesn't want to talk to the media. didn't like the New York Times story. He likened DataWorks Plus software to automated fingerprint identification systems where dozens or hundreds of potential matches are returned. You know, if you don't care about your safety, if you don't care about the safety of others, 
Wear a mask just to screw with the facial recognition systems, okay? There's your freedom right there. And uh, uh, a sensible choice to make in a smart, smart world. And now... You'd think if we had dominion, we could make better-sounding records. For centuries, humans believed the ocean was so vast it was impossible to do it measurable harm. We now know, according to Scientific American at least, that human activities can destroy critical marine habitats, dangerously pollute seawater, and make sea environments more acidic. Overharvesting has disrupted food chains. Get the chains off my food! And directly pushed many ocean species into the critically endangered category and has driven some animals, including Stellar's sea cow, into total extinction. This past March, the smooth handfish, Sympterichthys unipennis, officially became the first modern-day marine fish to be declared extinct. Handfish are family, 14 unusual bottom-dwelling species related to deep-sea anglerfish, unlike most other fishes, they don't have a large larval, larval phase, and they'll move around very much as adults. So I don't pay them unemployment. These traits make them sensitive to environmental changes. According to a marine ecologist at the University of Tasmania, hey, Tassie, they spend most of their time sitting on the seabed with an occasional flap for a few meters if they're disturbed, he says. As they lack a larval stage, they're unable to disperse to new locations, and consequently handfish populations are very localized and vulnerable to threats. Another species, the spotted handfish, was the first marine fish listed as critically endangered back in 1996. But the smooth handfish was once common enough to be one of the first species described by European explorers, colonizers, in Australia. Now, none has been reported in well over a century, despite frequent scientific sampling in its known range. Handfish, hello! Red list guidelines officially define extinct as meaning there is no reasonable, reasonable doubt the last individual has died. This Australian team was forced to that conclusion earlier this year, and the red list placed it in the extinct category. Scientists are unsure exactly what finished off the species. Others in the region are threatened by trawl fishing, pollution, and climate change. Uh, Researcher in Australia says additional, the Tassie researcher says additional marine fish species may already be extinct as well. Or you may already have won the uh, publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. See? May. Although scientists cannot yet make the call, many more are critically endangered. It might be hard to imagine why a little organism applying a small niche in a place few humans ever visit might be important, but it's an enzyme from a extramorphite microbe that's being used in tests to diagnose COVID-19 right now, according to the chief scientist for the conservation group, Oceans. Biodiversity matters, he says, even if you can't see it with your own eyes. You don't need your eyes. We've got dominion. Um, I think... Enough time may have elapsed now, ladies and gentlemen, during this broadcast that we can uh, see if we can raise the White House phone connection and see if the president is ready to, I'm getting the high sign that he is, ready to uh, perform the second part of the acuity test, which is recalling the same words in the same order 
some time later. So, if, uh, sir, if you're ready, you can go ahead. Person, woman, man, camera, TV. But extra points. No, that's it's actually not that easy. Okay, well, it, <coughs> you, did, you did it, and there are no points. Neil Plant, um, we'll check back with you toward the end of the show and, and see how, how you've done uh, public service of this broadcast. I'll be right. Oh, you'll be right later. Um, there's something else I'd like you to listen to now, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm going to perform the steps that are necessary for you to hear it. Two dozen other dirty lovers Must be a sucker for it Cry but I don't need my mother Just hold my hand while I come To a decision on it Sooner or later Your legs get where you hit the ground Save it for later Don't run away and let me down Sooner or later You hit the deck, you get found out Sooner or later You'll run away, you'll run away And let me down Black Karen Seven Seas are rotting through But what can you do? Sometimes I don't know how to get on with all of you lot Sometimes I don't try I just Sooner or later Your legs get where you hit the ground Save it for later Don't run away, don't let me down Sooner or later You hit the deck, you get found out Save it for later, don't run away stupid reasons why we should suffer all this I can't say think to find a reason just hold my hand while I come to a decision on this sooner or later your legs get where you hit the ground save it for later don't run away and let me down sooner or later you hit the deck you get found out
Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you've noticed this, but I'm just going to call your attention to it. The last few decades have been a time when we have been urged to take digital and other technical attempts to recreate what we would have had in a smaller country in a simpler time. Two examples. Both both came up this week. I um, I'm in New Orleans, as you know, and New Orleans is still, despite everything, far more populated by small shop services, single independent businesses than a large large. You know, there's a Walmart here and there's a a Costco, but it's uh, still pretty resistant to that craze. And I call it a craze because it's crazy. Uh, so I was visiting a, a business establishment that makes a comestible, thank you very much, that is, I would say, uh, and it's not just my opinion, the equal if not the superior to any such comestible produced anywhere else in the United States. I mean, it's just that good. And uh Hadn't been here for a while. Hadn't I was I was a regular customer, and then I hadn't been here for a while. So now it's my first time back in the sh- in the store, and the woman at the in the front of the shop and I greet each other. We don't hug because you know the thing, but greet each other uh, fulsomely, and have about a fifteen minute conversation about what each of us has been doing, how the store is doing, how I've been doing. They shipped me some of the product while I was in Southern California and how that went worked out and all of that contrasted with a commercial I saw on television this week for Applebee's. It contained uh, as its sole soundtrack much of the song by John Sebastian, he of the Love and Spoonful, for those of you who've forgotten, the theme song from the TV show Welcome Back, Cotter. And it's song called Welcome Back. doesn't mention Cotter. That was its, I guess, that was his investment in the future. And uh, at the end, on the screen, it says, Welcome back, America. We've missed you. Uh, Maybe there's something wrong with me. Uh, I felt the first experience was warmer than the second. Now news of microplastic, and it's good news, By now, fish are subjected to microplastic particles in all their habitats, as well as in aquaculture. That's where they sing opera underwater, I think. Further, it's been confirmed. I'd love to hear that, by the way, if anybody wants to set that up. 
It has been, uh, you know, a Zoom performance, maybe? It's been confirmed that the animals ingest these tiny particles together with their food, is what the fish do. They don't, they don't have a separate eating time for the microplastics. But as I say, this is good news. In a new study at the Center for Aquaculture Research in Bremerhaven, scientists have for the first time investigated how many of the ingested particles make their way from the sea bass this is an investigation of sea bass, the sea bass digestive tract into the bloodstream and subsequently to the muscle tissue. This question is relevant for us human beings because, as a rule, we don't eat the whole fish, including its innards, but only the fillets, says the author of the study, Dr. Sinim Zaitin. Results came as a pleasant surprise to the researchers, even though we suspected the sea bass to be extremely high microplastic pollution in comparison to their natural setting. In the end, there were only one or two particles in every five grams of their fillets. This, along with the fact that the fish grew very well and were in perfect health, tells us the fish can apparently isolate and excrete these particles before they have a chance to penetrate their tissues. Pardon the expression. For everyone who enjoys eating sea bass, that's putting it strongly, that's very good news, says the head of the aquaculture research group in Bremerhaven, where I guess they enjoy sea bass. I guess they do. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the warm, won't you? Soft, listen to the warm. We can listen to the warm. Alaska is getting wetter. A new study spells out what that means, particularly for the permafrost that uh, sits under about 85% of the state and the consequences for the global climate here on this little thing we call Earth. Studies published in Climate and Atmospheric Science, that's a scientific journal, it's the first to compare how rainfall is affecting permafrost thaw across time, space, and a variety of ecosystems. Started to sound like a George Lucas mo- for a movie there. It shows increased summer rainfall is degrading permafrost across Alaska. Now, Siberia, of course, is still in the headlines for that record-setting heat wave and the wildfires that have uh, resulted as a result. <laughs> for your tautological entertainment, Alaska is experiencing the rainiest five years in its century-long meteorological record. Apparently, the walruses weren't keeping track before them. Extreme weather on both ends of the spectrum, hot and dry versus cool and wet, are driven by an aspect of climate change called Arctic amplification. I said, Arctic amplification. I amplified it. As the Earth warms, temperatures in the Arctic rise faster than the global average, while the uh, physical nature of Arctic amplification is well understood. You turn the volume up. No, it is less well known how it will affect the permafrost. That's sitting under about a quarter of the northern hemisphere, most of Alaska. Permafrost locks in twice the carbon that's currently in the atmosphere, locks it up into long-term storage, which, of course, would be a good thing. But what's, what's happening when the permafrost thaws is the question. We, in our research across the winter, It's lost almost three weeks to summer, says the study's lead author. 
This, along with more rainstorms, mean far more wet precipitation is falling every summer. That is not snow. In the course of five years, the research team took a bunch of measurements, more than almost 3,000, of how far below the land surface the permafrost had thawed by the end of summer. And that was across a wide range of environments near Fairbanks. Didn't know Fairbanks had a wide range of environments. Come for the environment, stay for the other environment. The five-year period included two summers with average precipitation, one a little drier, and the top and third wettest summers on record. Differences in rainfall were clearly imprinted in the amount of permafrost thaw. More rainfall led to deeper thaw all over the place. After the wettest summer in 2014, permafrost didn't freeze back to previous levels, even after the subsequent summers were drier. Wetlands, trail crossings, and clearings showed the most thaw. Tundra, with its deep soils and covering of tufted grasses, I like my grasses tufted, don't you, has been found to provide the most ecosystem protection of permafrost. The study demonstrates how land cover types govern relationships between summer rainfall and permafrost thaws. Alaska becomes warmer and wetter, vegetation cover will change, and wildfires will disturb larger swaths of the landscape. These conditions may lead to a feedback loop between more permafrost thaw and wetter summers. Because the wildfires in the uh, warmer summers go deep, And estimates suggest that forests have absorbed up to 30% of anthropogenic carbon emissions in the past few decades. That's our carbon emissions. Though the overall effects of tree loss on the carbon cycle are complex because old trees and the young ones that replace them take up carbon at different rates, rising tree mortality appears to be affecting forests and their ability to lock up carbon. So you uh, have carbon lockup being reduced in the permafrost and in the forests. We're doing a pretty complete job. This is from fizz.org. The researchers in the new study think that higher mortality rates may begin to outweigh the capacity of remaining in new trees to maintain carbon uptake and potentially lead to an overall reduction of canopy cover as well as biomass. The trees, you know, they give the shade. It's quite concerning because at the moment, two to three of every ten molecules of CO2 in the atmosphere come back into the forest, but we don't know how it's con- going to continue into the future, says Dr. Thomas Pugh, Hugh, Pugh, an environmental scientist at the University of Birmingham. That's not Birmingham. That's Birmingham in England. The trend, rising mortality and change in makeup of trees, trees wear makeup, has been evident in more localized studies. The team's literature review and data analysis of land use change indicate this is happening on a broad basis. It's not possible to say yet whether this is occurring everywhere. Many locations still not have been studied. Different places are moving at different rates, but it's the young trees aren't aren't picking aren't picking up where the old trees left off. That sounds like humans, doesn't it? These young these young whippersnapper trees just can't take up the carbon like we did. News of the warm copyrighted feature of this broadcast. So among the things that were notable that came out of the president's mouth this week in that uh, quite remarkable Chris Wallace interview, um, the president maintained that his sunny predictions about the coronavirus 
going all the way back to uh, March and April when he said it was going to magically disappear by Easter. And it was just going to go away. And uh, Chris Wallace said, you think uh, you think you were right about that? I'll be right eventually. <laughs> I will I be right eventually. You know, I said it's going to disappear. I'll say it again. But does it's that going dis- to disappear. Does that discredit and I'll you? be right. I'll be right about the virus eventually. They'll recognize my genius, I guarantee. Like at last at the dentist when he takes out a tooth. Everything out of my mouth is gonna truth they'll find our testing is really the best they'll discover the sun does come up in the west the results will surprise everyone but me I'll turn out to be right Eventually. If you need a test, you can get one eventually. It'll turn out just like the flu in reality. And there's 
there's a strong possibility that we might often fail to see the better side of life. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week. We're so sorry. Deadline Minneapolis, a former Minnesota law officer, has apologized to the girlfriend of Philando Castile. He's apologizing for a tweet he sent three years ago suggesting she would spend her settlement money on crack cocaine. Former Rice County Sheriff's Deputy Tom McBroom is the uh, apologizer. The apology is Diamond Reynolds. She live-streamed the aftermath of Castile's fatal shooting by a police officer in 2016. She received an $800,000 settlement a year later. And uh, McBroom tweeted that Reynolds' settlement would be gone in six months on crack cocaine. She contended that the tweet was defamatory, false, and racially motivated. Terms of the settlement were not released other than McBroom's apology. Lowe's. Not the theater chain. That's long gone. The uh, hardware store chain apologized to an employee in Bonnie Lake, Bonnie Lake, Washington after he was sent home for wearing a Black Panther t-shirt. The company says Kyle Sales, you want a guy named Sales working for you, don't you? Was wearing a shirt that read Wakanda Forever, a reference to the Black Panther movie. That's according to his mother, Kimberly. He was sent home after a customer complained that the shirt was offensive and racist. Kyle says he was very angry. This is in uh, Tacoma. This isn't racist, he says. I shouldn't be punished for a T-shirt from a movie. Lowe's says Kyle should never have been asked to change his shirt, and we have apologized to him directly. We know this is a teachable moment, and we will take action to coach and train the managers at the store to help prevent this from happening again. Diversity and inclusion are important to our culture at Lowe's. There's that boilerplate. And we remain committed to fostering an environment where all individuals are safe, treated fairly, valued, and respected. 
That's straight from every university president's press release of the last 14 years. A Smithsonian museum apologized for a chart listing hard work and rational thought as traits of white culture. The National Museum of African American History and Culture said in a statement Friday was wrong to include the graphic in an online portal about race and racism in America. We erred in including the chart. We have removed it and we apologize. Well, the most newsworthy apology of the week wasn't really an apology. When you get right down, when you shuck right down to the cob, Representative Ted Yoho, not Yahoo, Yoho of Florida, apologized on the floor of the House this week for, quote, the abrupt manner of the conversation, unquote, he had with Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on the steps of the Capitol, but he denied reports that he used offensive name-calling words, reports that came from the mouth of Representative Cortez, who was the recipient of said words. Yoho had called Ocasio-Cortez disgusting and an effing bee, according to the Hill newspaper, during an after-conversation about unemployment and crime. She said, that kind of confrontation has never happened to me, ever. I've never had that kind of abrupt, disgusting kind of disrespect levied at me. Said Yoho, having been married for 45 years with two daughters, I'm very cognizant of the language I use. The the offensive name-calling were never spoken to my colleague, and if they were construed that way, I apologize for their misunderstanding. But I cannot apologize for my passion or for loving my God my family, and my country, said uh, Ocasio-Cortez in response. I will not teach my nieces and young people watching that this is an apology and that what they should learn to accept. Yoho is refusing responsibility. Yoho. Dateline Bismarck, North Dakota, a top North Dakota Republican official, has apologized for a series of anti-LGBTQ Statements that delegates approved as a part of the state party's official extended party platform. North Dakota GOP Executive Director Corby Kemmer said the party regrets any offense caused by the rhetoric, which the state's only openly gay legislator says promotes harmful lies and and the bigotry. The bigotry again with the bigotry. Delegates from the state's dominant conservative party recently voted in favor of a package of 53 resolutions that assert the group's values and policy positions on all kinds of issues, like uh, an um, anti-discrimination law on sexual orientation and gender identity that says, this grants protection to voyeurs who wish to prey on members of the opposite sex and uh, other, other such Statements. The final line of the resolution said the party opposes the passage of legislation which adds sexual orientation and gender identity to our code as protected classes. Party chairman said the resolution relates to an individual's religious liberty and protecting business owners from lawsuit. He, Rick Berg, said the party is definitely not anti-LGBT, but he would not comment any further. Kemmer, he is the uh, top official of the party, said party officials would look at amending the language of the resolution. The intent of the delegates, he says, was to stand up for an individual and religious liberties. Unfortunately, this language falls woefully short of that goal. We regret any offense this may have caused, 
and we will be reconsidering this resolution at a future meeting to bring it more in line with what delegates were attempting to communicate. This doesn't reflect our values. Here, look at this mirror. One of the owners of the Fish Market of Maryland, this is a restaurant in Washington, D.C., is publicly asking for forgiveness. Daily demonstrations over alleged racism at the local watering hole approach the one-month mark, and protesters continue to call for the establishment to be sold. Protests began last week of June after customers watched co-owner Rick Giovanni, a uh, Caucasian gentleman, tell an African-American customer that he could not wear his I Can't Breathe t-shirt in the establishment. Longtime customers said the affront was only the latest in a history of racist comments from Giovanni, including multiple instances in which he'd used the N-word. N-word. His wife and co-owner, Sherry, said the June 26 incident was a misunderstanding. She's never heard her husband use racial slurs, but she wears headphones a lot. She said she is sorry the community has been caused pain and said racism and bigotry don't have any place in the fish market. She also said the family has no plans to sell a restaurant. It's been closed because of the protests, but it absolutely plans to reopen. No date set. Watch out when you're wearing T-shirts. The customer who wore the shirt, Darrell Rollins, said uh, Friday he has not heard from the Javanonis since the day after the incident. He said that Sherry, the wife, apologizing on behalf of the restaurant, is not the same as Rick apologizing for his own actions. That's what marriage is all about. After days of withering criticism, including from the Broward Congressional Delegation, that's a county in Florida, Clerk of Courts Brenda Foreman has apologized for posting on social media a quotation she thought came from Adolf Hitler. She posted her apology in the same way she posted the original passage at night on Facebook. I sincerely apologize to the Jewish community. I deeply regret the pain it has caused to members of your community. It was never my intention to hurt or offend anyone. The quotation which she attributed to Hitler's Mein Kampf actually didn't come from him. The picture of supposedly Hitler accompanying the post was a doctored image of a former British prime minister. Late Tuesday night after the first wave of criticism, she defended the post, then deleted it. I knew it was something with a D I was supposed to do. The uh, apology came on Facebook at the end of the week. She added she took full responsibility. The valuable lesson has been learned and people could rest assured that nothing similar will occur again. She described her apology as sincere and heartfelt. It was a photograph of a written statement, much like the original post. The quote supposedly attributed to Hitler said the best way to control, take control from people is to do so a little at a time so the erosion is imperceptible and people won't realize what's going on until it's too late. That's been shared widely in the past. Reuters and PolitiFact concluded it wasn't from Mein Kampf and did not reflect Hitler's views or values. The Sierra Club apologized this week for racist remarks that its founder, naturalist John Muir, made more than a century ago. The influential environmental group is grappling with that history. Executive Director Michael Bruhn said it was time to take down some of our own monuments. Muir, founded the club in 1892, helped spawn the environmental movement. He's the father of national parks. He figured prominently in what Bruhn called the truth-telling about the group's early history. He made derogatory comments about black people and indigenous peoples that drew on deeply harmful racist stereotypes, though his views evolved later in his life, Bruhn wrote on the group's website. As the most iconic figure in Sierra Club history, Muir's words and actions carry an especially heavy weight. 
They continue to hurt and alienate indigenous people and people of color. Muir emphasized the need to preserve the land, but disdained American Indians as, quote, dirty savages, unquote, and black people as lazy, uh, followed by another offensive slur. He kept company with other early club members who advocated for white supremacy and promoting the race through eugenics. Attention, Jeffrey Epstein. Muir's image of pristine wilderness unshaped by humans only existed if native people weren't part of it, even though they'd been there for thousands of years. Brune also said the Sierra Club once excluded people of color as it catered to middle- and upper-class whites. So he is sorry. British Labor Party apologized and offered damages to former employees who sued the British Party for libel after being maligned by officials for talking about its anti-Semitism problem in the media. The apology filed by the... Oh, sorry. The apology is a part of a policy reversal under the party's newly elected leader, Sir Keir Starmer. Or as the British say, Shakia Stama. Kuma's Corner, a heavy metal burger bar chain in Chicago, is figuring out its next move after allegations surfaced that leadership created a toxic workplace. Several Instagram posts criticized the director of operations and President Ron Kane for homophobic, sexist, and racist behaviors. And there's also criticism of Kuma's food discount for for police officers. The uh, heavy metal burger chain, that is to say they play loud music while they serve you burgers, uh, they issued an apology on social media announcing a new direction for the company, pledging to institute third-party-led diversity and interpersonal sensitivity training. The ownership recognizes in some cases it has failed, foster a safe, non-threatening, and inclusive work environment. Kane remains at the company. His role hasn't been uh, defined in an email. He again apologized. He said, he isn't going away. If you feel your interests are best served addressing them with me, I remain available. I wish him the best. At Dayline Jacksonville, Florida, where Donald Trump's triumphant acceptance speech has been canceled, a woman twice beaten by police while handcuffed has settled her lawsuit against the city of Jacksonville. I would say in this case, I don't think she deserved what she got, the treatment she received from the officer, said the police chief. Or sorry, the sheriff. We apologize for her being treated the way she was at the facility. No doubt about it. Any more? <laughs> well, one more. A, uh, a former ex-gay leader former president of the now-defunct ex-gay Christian ministry, Exodus International, has renounced his past work, apologized for the pain he caused, and announced his engagement to a man. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, copyrighted feature for the broadcast, and now we are quickly going to go back to the White House and see how the president does with that that, uh, little test. Uh, Open the phone line, if you may. Sir? That's not an easy question. I know, but try your best. Person, Russia... Cameraman, memory, hospital. No. I got a perfect mark. I, Sharp. Yeah, okay, thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Extra points for trying, don't you think?
And with a sad farewell to uh, note the passing of Emmett Rhodes, that will conclude this edition of the show. The program returns next week. There will be another week. Same time on your radio stations that you're listening to and whenever you want it on your other audio device of choice. Maybe even your defective Alexa. And it would be just like Amazon getting the defective skills off Alexa if you'd agree to join me then, would you? Alrighty, thank you very much, uh-huh. Chapeau to the San Diego desk. Thanks to Pam Holstead and to Thomas Walsh here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, playlist of the music heard here, and your chance to get Cars I Talk t shirts all at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans. That's the flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from New Orleans.